Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, let the lowly brother glory or rejoice in this exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, or the the man who is rich in his depression, and because as a flower of the field he will pass away. It's interesting because we normally think of a lowly person or a person who is lowly to be the one who is depressed, and we think of the one who is wealthy as the one who is going to ha- is be excited and happy and everything else. But I've found that the most wealthy people that I know, not everyone, but just there's a handful, especially if they don't know the Lord. I've known wealthy people who have been the most miserable people on the earth. everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Today we learn it's the love of God that sustains us. Even though we may lack material things in this life, we can still be fulfilled and be joyful through the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of James chapter 1 and explains to us that it doesn't matter what economic class we may belong to. The important thing is that we belong to God in order to be fulfilled. As Christians, we know that the only fulfillment in life is being a part of God's family through His Son, Jesus Christ. All the money and power of this world could not equal the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. James, let's just read it through up to verse 9. It says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So it's written by James, the brother of Jesus, a half-brother. I believe he was the half-brother, not just the cousin, and there's reasons for that. Um, But he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or a steadfast endurance. That's what it does. But let patience, verse 4, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. The idea is mature, being mature, lacking nothing. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And last week we looked at that and talked about uh, unbelief and faith and the difference between the two. And we we certainly got into uh, some portions of this idea of, of, of trials and temptations. Today is like part two of that. And so let's look at verse 9. He says, Let the brother... Lowly brother, glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade in his pursuits. 
And, you know, when we look at this uh, verse 9, you know, regardless of your station in life, this idea of a lowly brother is a person who doesn't have a lot of money. They're not wealthy, and so they don't have a lot. And it's kind of interesting. He says, let the lowly brother or this one in low social status glory in his exaltation because as a brother in Christ, as a Christian, whether you're rich or poor, you've got a future, and God has a plan for your life. And your citizenship is in heaven. You're already, even though you may be poor physically on this earth, your position in God's perspective, in God's economy, is very high. Very high. And he says, rejoice. You know, let, let the lowly brother glory or rejoice in this exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, or the, the man who is rich in his depression, and because as a flower of the field he will pass away. It, it's interesting because... We normally think of a lowly person or a person who is lowly to be the one who is depressed. And we think of the one who is wealthy as the one who is going to ha- is be excited and happy and everything else. But I've found that the most wealthy people that I know, not everyone, but just there's a handful, especially if they don't know the Lord. I've known wealthy people who have been the most miserable people on the earth. The world is saying, oh, you've got to gather wealth, you've got to have more money. That's going to make you happy and fulfilled. And that's not the truth at all. The more you have... Sometimes you, you just find that um, your heart is, just goes south, and you begin to rely on that, on those resources, and you're wondering why. Why am I not happy? And you see so many rich people, wealthy, who are just miserable because they have everything, but they have nothing. They have nothing of real value. And yet the low person, who should be the one that's depressed, a lot of times those are the most happy and fulfilled people on the planet. Isn't it true? I've known people like that. (laughs) And that's really interesting too. But regardless of what station you're in, trials happen to you. Trials happen to you. All things happen. It's like God makes sure that our lives, as we go forward, whether we are saved or unsaved, we have the same kind of things that happen to us. Trials come into our life. And it's like if we have Jesus as the center, the foundation of our faith, we are going to get through those trials and we are going to be made better. But if you're without Christ, you're just going to try and buy your way out of your circumstance. And it doesn't really work. Money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy the things that are most important. It can't buy real love, and it can't buy your salvation. And what does everybody really want, everybody really desire? They really want to have a relationship with their Creator, even if they don't know Him. They want to have peace in their heart. They want to be loved by someone else and be able to love them. That's really the foundation of it all. You want to be able to sleep at night and not have a guilty conscience. And so, that's something to consider. And you know what? Why? You know, James says, let the, low, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Well, what is there to glory about? Well, every, every bit, actually. Uh, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to read this to you. In Ephesians, you might want to write it down. We're going to go to some places. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, it says this. Why should, so why should we be uh, excited? Why should we glory or, or, or be praiseworthy? But God, who is rich in mercy, verse 4, again, Ephesians 2, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What, what of that? You know, are you excited about that? If you're a person of, of uh, a brother of low esteem, low finances, or whatever, 
that your name is written in the book of life, that you're seated with heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here it is, for we are his workmanship. We have everything to hope for, regardless of our state, whether we're rich or poor. We have everything to look forward to, for we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. That's what the word workmanship means. In the Greek, it's poema. It's something you've already known. But God wants, he's got a poem, and you are his masterpiece. And isn't it a shame that the public school system has told kids for many years now that they are just the product of evolution, that they're just the result of some chemical soup that somehow evolved into something and then that thing sprouted wings and, or had land feet and came up on the land. Do you realize that's just a bunch of nonsense? And it even goes against everything that's science. Has anybody observed uh, something in between? Nobody's ever observed something in between. There are animals that can evolve, or not evolve, but can uh, adapt to certain things only within a certain parameter, but they can't go outside of that box. God has made it that way. They can adapt to certain things, and that's what we see. And then the the natural man says, well, that's evolution and process. No, that's just, you can wait another 1,000 or 2,000, 3,000 years, and that animal is still going to be doing the same thing, right? But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And why else should we be excited? Why else should we glory if we're of low estate? Well, every, every way. In First Peter chapter 2, it says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. All of you, that, that's what God has made you when you gave your heart to Christ. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I love this, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad that God has called you out of darkness and into the light? I certainly am. I don't know how anybody can function today without Christ in their life. Nothing would make sense. Everything would be totally helpless and hopeless. What a horrible place to be abandoned to on this earth without God. I pray that every one of you in this room know the truth and why you believe it and to embrace Jesus Christ with all of your heart. He is your only hope. There is no other hope. You can win the lottery and you can have all your bills paid for and you can still live miserably. Money is not everything. A relationship with Jesus is everything and he wants to impart that to you today if you don't know him. Give your heart to Christ. You know, in Psalm 33, verse 15, the psalmist says, speaking of God, he says, He fashions their hearts alike, speaking of people. He considers all their works. We are all the same in that regard, and we all go through similar things. And how are we going to respond to those things? You know, there's something about, uh, as we get older, we experience, um, you know, the things that we see in life that happened to everybody, you know, it brings a sobriety to us, doesn't it? As we see trials, as we see things happening in our lives and in other people's lives, and it does, it, it brings us to a sobriety. And we come to understand that whatsoever a man sows, that is what he's going to reap. That, that scripture comes very much to life for even the unbeliever. 
Whatever we sow, that are we going to reap. And that God's not a respecter of persons. Again, whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter to him. He sees you all the same. We draw the divisions and the lines, but God sees no lines. In verse 12, it's interesting, this verse right here says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. It's kind of an unfortunate uh, thing because it's really trials. We're still talking about trials here in the sense of external things happening to us. So if you have a a New King James Version Bible, you'll notice that the heading says, Loving God Under Trials. Well, this verse really belongs to everything before it. And so really, uh, when we get into verse 13, is really when the subject changes. Because we know that trials are something that happen external to us. They happen to us. They're things that God allows in our life. He either directly makes them happen or he allows them to happen, like in Job's case. But when we get into verse 13, we're going to see temptations, real temptations. And this is with the idea of being tempted to sin. So we got some problems. We got external things coming in on us, and then we got these internal things that we have to deal with as well. But notice what he says. He says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation or or trials. In some versions, it'll say trials. And this word is exactly the same word that we have up in verse 2, when James says, my brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Same exact word. Trials, when you fall into these, when they happen to you. And so, blessed is the man. It's kind of an interesting thing. In the Beatitudes, blessed means truly happy. Truly happy when difficult things happen. Is, are any of you feeling that? Are you excited about difficult things happening to you? Nobody really likes difficult things happening to you, but as a Christian, we can see that all things work together for the good, right? To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things, especially the the, the things that we can't understand, that we don't like, that we resist. We try to insulate ourselves by using finances, whatever it is, to resist the things that are going to happen. But eventually we come right back to them again. And, you know, we, we need to be willing to be that, uh, I use the thing again, we, we need to be used like that rubber band. Let yourself be stretched beyond what you could ever think. It's going to happen. And you, can't, you can resist it for only so long, and you're still going to be in first grade. See, God, as Christians, wants us to grow. He wants us to bear more fruit. He wants our lives to be fruitful. He wants to grow us up. You know, it's a real shame when I've seen really elderly people who, who know the Lord, who claim to know the Lord, and yet their walk with him is nothing. They're like infants still in their, in their relationship with, with God because they've never allowed that to happen. They've insulated themselves. They've run to the credit card when things got tough. They have wealthy relatives who can always bail them out. There's nothing more sad than seeing an old person in Christ who is still eating Gerber baby food. Those are the ones that ought to have been you know, eating steak and eating the, the more meatier things and being able to impart that to their kids, to their grandkids. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so wherever you're at today, let God stretch you. Let him use you. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
And they're also blessed when, you, when they revile you and persecute you. Now these, all, these things sound crazy to the natural man. But to us as Christians, these are the things that are important to God. Because it develops character. That's what God is interested in doing in, your, in my life. He's interested in building your character. And we have to either let him do that or we can resist him. But to, you know, if we really want to be effective in our life, if we really want to have that deeper relationship with him, we must let him do it because other people are watching how we deal with trials, how we deal with temptations. Because the way we deal with those things ought to be very different from the way the world deals with them. And when they see you dealing with them in the right way, biblically, and surrendering in obedience to the Lord, I tell you, that, that changes somebody. That's the kind of faith that changes people when people see it. They have to see it. They have to see it in us. We don't have to be phonies. Aren't you glad? You don't have to be a phony. You don't have to walk around and say, praise the Lord, everything is great, when really things are really rotten. Be transparent. Do you have a wall in your heart this morning that you just you won't let in anybody anymore? You just, you've been hurt too many times? Even by the church. You've been, you've been hurt by people in the church. Well, guess what? It's not God's fault that you've been hurt. It's somebody else's fault. Don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on the church. We have to open our hearts again. Be vulnerable again. Will you let God do that in you and not stifle everything and hold it in? Boy, there's nothing more unfortunate than to see a Christian who's so rigid. They just, they, they, they've put up the walls. I'm not letting anybody in anymore. I've been hurt long enough. I've been hurt too many times. I'm done. Just going to put up the walls and I'm going to live in my trailer <laughs> and move to Florida. Don't let it be. But you know, blessed is the man who endures trials. Supremely blessed or truly happy is the meaning of the word. You know, when we do endure that, it is evidence that God loves us and that He's maturing us. And they, these things are important to God. And you know what? There are rewards for obedience and enduring trials in this life and in the next. If you're a Christian in heaven, you will experience a reward. Notice the very next verse, or this verse is, Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved or accepted, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. A crown of life. You know, there are many uh, rewards that we have. You know, the Bible speaks that when, as Christians, when we are either, either die in Christ or in the rapture of the church, whenever that occurs, when, when, when the rapture does occur, that we are going to stand before what we call the judgment seat. Turn with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're just going to look at a couple of verses, because we're going to talk about some crowns, briefly. <laughs> crowns are things that God gives to us, that he does the work in us, and then he gives a reward to us for letting him do it. Isn't that amazing? He, he does it through us, and then he gives us a reward for allowing him to do it through us. We get rewarded for that. And one day, you are going to see that physical reward, and you will see it, and you will experience it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 9 through 11. It says, Therefore, we make it our aim, Paul says to the Corinthians, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it's good or bad. Notice that. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all, but we are well known to God, and I trust also are well known in your consciences. Notice in verse 9 or 10 the, the word judgment seat. The reason we call it the bema seat judgment is because of the Greek word that judgment seat is. If you look that up, it means bema, bema seat. So when you go to the restroom and you look on the thing, I was laughing the other day because I was, this is really kind of personal, but I think I can share it. I was looking at the name of the, the, of the, of the company that made the, uh, the, the porcelain thing. Um, and it was Bema. It's Bema. Have you ever seen that? That's the Greek word for judgment seat. So think about that. That's kind of fun, isn't it? But here's the thing. The Bema seat in the Greek games back in you know, the first century, they would have you know, the, the, whoever the one in power would stand there and as they were doing the Olympics and the Isthmus games or whatever, they would be, there would be somebody who would hand out you know, rewards at the end, uh, laurel wreaths that they'd put around their heads. And, and that judgment seat is that person who would sit in there and make that judgment. Well, guess what? As believers, we are going to be judged by the things that we have done in Christ. It won't be a judgment of salvation or lack thereof, but what have you done with Christ? That's really what it's going to be. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're not going to have time to go through there, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read it or just give you the verse. If you could check out 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verses 5 through 15, because it talks about this idea of rewards that we are going to get and some of our works that we have done while we've been Christians, all that's going to burn up, and there are going to be some things that have been led by Christ that we are going to re- receive rewards for. And you know what? I want to encourage you today to let God do that in you. As you read the Bible, don't just read it for knowledge. Read it for what it's going to do in your heart. Let him take over your heart, because one day you're going to be rewarded for that. And you may say to yourself, well, I, don't, I really don't care. As long as I get to heaven, that's all I care about. Well, you know what? I think when you do get to heaven, you are going to care. Because when we get to heaven and we're standing at that beam of seat judgment and we're looking at around and all of our brothers and sisters are getting crowns for different things, and we're going to look at those briefly, we're going to be like, you know what? I could have allowed the Lord to do so much more in my life. Why was I such a knucklehead? <laughs> and isn't the idea behind this to cast those crowns like the 24 elders did in Revelation chapter 4? talks about them casting their crowns, these representatives of the church and the, and the Jews. We're gonna, they're going to cast their crowns. We're going to cast our crowns, the crowns that we've received, that, we, that, that, that God has done in our life. He's going to reward us for those things. Aren't you going to want to be able to be, take part in that? Really think about it. Don't just be settled to get into heaven. Go for everything. God wants to give you everything. And don't settle for just the basic things. Let him do the work in you that when you are in heaven in front of him, you can say, Lord, you've done all these things and I give them all back to you. You did it through me and I'm so glad. My life has been blessed as a result. In this life, you're going to be blessed and in the next. But these crowns, there's a crown of life. It speaks of it here. and also, But also in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, don't go there. Just write down the scripture. We're just going to go through it. And, then, and, and there's also a crown of rejoicing that speaks of in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And a crown of glory in 1 Peter chapter four, 5. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through, 1 through 4. There's a crown of glory. 
that we can receive. Don't you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when you're standing in front of the Lord? I want that. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.